I'm looking forward to today's passage in James 2 because I believe our faith is revealed through our works, or at least it can be. I kind of compare it to something the famous old basketball coach John Wooden once said. He said, sports do not build character, they reveal it. By the same token, I believe our works don't make us holy, but they often reveal our holiness. I believe the work of the Holy Spirit produces a definite response in us that can be seen by the world. I like the way James uses the analogy of Abraham's faithful obedience as a work of faith. And the same with Rahab and her willingness to show her faith through action. There's an old saying that is particularly loved by the incarcerated people we work with in prison ministry. And it goes like this, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. I think James is saying that here. He's answering that question of, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is, yes, we are. Well, good morning, Sherwood Oaks. How are you guys doing today? Hi, hi. <laughs> Thank you very much for this section in the front. Uh, the mufflers, you don't know me. Some of you are like new people who are like, ah, oh, this church is great. All right. Ah, ah. Anyway, the mufflers are back in town. Oh, you. <laughs> Thanks, Boyd. Good job. Um, uh, Mufflers are back in town for some graduation parties. We want to see some people. We truly love our high school students, most of them. Um, we had the opportunity to, thank you, uh, we had the opportunity to baptize Sweet Myra Page Muffler, and mm, I'm not a crier, but wow, man, it's phenomenal to see your little people make decisions in Christ, and I'm so proud of her, and I'm, I'm proud that when she looked at us a few weeks, a few months ago, as we were talking about baptism, she's like, well, can I do that at home? Can I do that at Sherwood? And so thank you. I know Stacey elaborated on this a little bit, but she was here all of her life, and you were the people that prayed for her and taught her and dealt with her in preschool. <laughs> and I want to say thank you, church, for helping my family be closer to Christ. So thank you very much. I really do. I appreciate that. Um, now... Reputations are earned. I, I'm going to stand here, and, and most of you or some of you might remember me as that really quiet theologian that, that walked through expository preaching, and, and like, you're like, whoa, I can't wait to get my concordance, and be like, oh, it's going to be great. No, no, I'm the loud, goofy, ridiculous guy that loves to point to Jesus and encourage you, you know, with the cheerleader pom-poms and the skirt on Saturdays, because you can't do it on Sundays, right? Yes, that's who I am. Um, and Minnesota <laughs> has some reputations. And let's go through some of them. It is so beautiful. Oh my goodness, when it's not trying to kill you, it's gorgeous. There's 10,000 lakes. So if you like to fish or ice fish, if you like to ski or ice ski, if you like to drive or die, you know, it's, there's so much to offer if you like to hunt or ice hunt. Listen, it's a good, it's a beautiful place with amazing people that love Jesus Christ, right? But Minnesota has a reputation. John Muffler's loud and ridiculous. Minnesota is cold. Now, I don't know if it's Fahrenheit or Celsius, but it's um, stupid. <laughs> stupid cold. I'm driving to church. It's uh, my sweet little Jeep. It's like, really? You sure? It's minus 27 degrees. 27 degrees below zero. And my Jeep's like, grr. <laughs> grr. 
Okay, so again, things you need to learn. You have to drive your car every few hours in the winter, or you have to have a block heater, which is also ridiculous. Like you have to warm, you have to get like a little comfy, little cozy thing for your car so it can work even in a place that's trying to kill you. Reputations, right? You don't be like, hey, come to sunny Minnesota where the swimming season is July 4th through the 7th, right? <laughs> you don't like, like, oh, where am I at? No, it's a reputation and it's true. There's hardy people. I said that on stage and they're like, hardy? I thought that was a compliment. I guess calling women hardy. That's my bad. But reputations are earned. Listen, uh, Minnesota, John Muffler, Hoosiers. Hoosiers, we all have kind of reputations. And wherever I've gone in this life and talked about Jesus or had conversations or prayer uh, with people about Christ, listen, Christians, church, we have a reputation. Now, some of it's okay, but some of it is not. To be very honest, we have a reputation of being hypocrites. We have a reputation of living out our faith in our attendance on Sunday morning. I was like this, and I'm still like this sometimes. This is me not lampooning you. This is me going, oh, I got to do better. Matter of fact, most people in my life that are not Christians can point to a Christian and say, yeah, that's why I don't think Jesus is that big of a deal. Because they say, we say one thing, and we do another. Now, I know this is, this is kind of human of us. I know this is, I'm not trying to expect anyone to be perfect in this situation. But at the same time, when the world looks at the church and says, oh, they're followers of Jesus, I don't know about that Jesus because of their behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, what we believe needs to come out in what we do. Straight up, and I know that's real preachy, but guess what? You're at Sunday morning church, so here we go. We're talking James. James, oh my goodness, uh, this Relevance Faith series, the book of James is as useful today in this culture as it was 2,000 years ago in the first century culture. There were people following Jesus that had hard times saying one thing and doing another. So this is old hat. It's something that we continually need to fight, but it is something that is out there, James tackles a subject that is easy for us to spar with, salvation. He's taking a stance in James 2, and we're going to be talking about it, and I guarantee you there are going to be people in here that disagree with me, and that's totally fine. I'm just John. It's on you to figure this out. It's my encouragement to get you to open the word and try to figure some stuff out. But what James is saying here, the, again, the half-brother the Jesus, I can picture the book of James. I see James like on a big box or on a hill, looking at people and saying, oh, are you serious? Okay, so in my life, that translates, can you please flush the toilet? <laughs> Parents, grandparents, anybody out there? I still hear Linda Muffler in the back of my head, John Thomas, right? Like the full name, you know, when you get the full name, somebody is tired of telling you the exact same thing over and over again. Uh, parenting, Tip, if you are in a position to name a child, scream it into the backyard and see if it flows. <laughs> and if it flows, I mean, John Thomas, you know, you can't go, Ezekiel, Michael, Daniel. You can't do that, right? You got to figure that out. So we're going to jump right into this. Since salvation is such an important topic and issue, we should have a better understanding of this controversial uh, really understanding of James, because to be honest, you are probably going to be either in a position to say, well, this 
piece of scripture in James is contradictive to what Paul says in some other New Testament uh, writers, or it elaborates, it fully defines what faith and belief might become. So you might look at this and say, well, I don't know, I don't know, I'm faith alone, faith alone, faith alone, John, Jesus only, no works, no deeds, I can't, I'm not earning Jesus, and you're not. But I think James here is trying to unpack this difficult statement. So here we go. We've got issues, church. Number one, we've got surface faith. You and I struggle with this. This surface faith, this idea that we, we go about a nickel deep and a mile wide with Jesus. I've been there. I know some of you are literally right here this morning in that position where Jesus is a big deal on my t-shirt, on my bumper sticker, on my Facebook page, but not how I treat my wife. Not how I treat my neighbors, and definitely not anybody on Kirkwood, right? We struggle with that. So we're going to jump right into James 2, because of the surface faith, it's not a good idea. It's James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed. I love how sarcastic James is being in this situation. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is reminding his readers that faith without deeds or fruit. Deeds is a hard word. Matter of fact, we're going to play around with the word faith, and we're going to play around with the word deeds just a little bit. So instead of thinking about faith in this situation, I want you to, you and I, to talk about the word belief for a second. That we have a belief in God. We have a belief in the real Jesus, right? And instead of deeds, because that's such a, oh, I don't like that word. That makes me think, oh, I've got to work for my salvation because no, that's not a good idea. Don't think of that as deeds as in an action, but think of it as a fruit or a byproduct of your life with Jesus Christ. Let's, let's, let's go for it, okay? So let's call this surface faith belief. I believe a lot of things. I believe if I walk down that hallway, that elevator, when it opens, if I push a door, if I push the button on the door, it'll go down. I activate my faith when I step into that small box and push the button. I can believe it all day long. I can push the button. I can be a polite little gentleman and say, oh, you first. Push the button and then walk away. I believe the elevator works. Here's another one. I believe that 400,000 ton tubular metal and plastic airplane will fly. I believe it. There's science behind it. I've seen it on TV, but I don't activate my faith until I buckle that seatbelt. There's a difference between belief and faith, and ladies and gentlemen, it's action. It's what you do with your life. I believe that Jesus is real, but I put my faith in him as my life is changed and I love other people. I can say I believe in Jesus. I believe that there's a God. I believe there's creation. It's difficult. Even before I was a Christian, I looked at um, science and I'm like, ah, I don't know if this universe is an accident. It seems, that seems as science fiction and far-fetched as you know, maybe Jesus did. I didn't, I didn't have a hard time with that. So I always thought there was something out there, right? I believe there's something, but if I'm not acting on it, I really truly don't have faith. Faith requires action, 
Belief is very passive. There's a lot of things I believe in that I never lean into. I never touch with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I believe that's true for you, good for you. Or I believe that's a good idea in that region, but I'm not gonna be a part of it. I believe is passive. Faith is active. James is reminding us that without deeds or fruit, all we have is belief. And belief, he is saying, and this is where it gets a little difficult, belief's not enough for salvation. Oh, you can disagree with me. Let's, look, keep, let's look, keep looking. So here's uh, this illustration that he reminds us is totally modern church day. I love it. You, can, you and I could be walking down this hall. We could be hanging out with friends or neighbors. And somebody could say, oh, my marriage is on the rocks. I just don't know what's going on. And I just can't get it right. Okay, have a great day. Good luck with that. High five. Right? This is what James is being so sarcastic about. Oh, you see somebody that's hungry and it doesn't, and it's cold, and he doesn't have a big giant Carhartt in Minnesota um, to like keep warm and not die, right? And you say, "Ah, oh, man, I hope you find some food and don't, don't get frostbite. See you, Bob. That's sarcasm. Like he's literally looking at this thing like that's ridiculous. Belief without faith is very passive. We're called to do something about this. You and I, we, we find that all the time. Matter of fact, you might be that person. You go the extra step and instead of saying, hey, good luck, high five, you say, I'm going to pray for you. If you do, that's great. And if you don't, I'm not belittling prayer. Please don't hear me. I'm a very big believer that God does crazy things through the Holy Spirit in prayer. Right? But if our belief ends with, God, help Bob. Bob's an idiot and he's gotten some trouble. Help Bob. If that's the extent of our belief, James is saying, you know, our actions really, our fruit really doesn't show our faith. Belief without action is a slap in the face. Um, Stacy and I are living this out right now. We are a part of a small group in Minnesota. There's a bunch of families, and we love them dearly. They were kind enough to let uh, the circus known as the Mufflers a part of their group. Um, one of the family members, uh, a gentleman who has a great job, works at a, a factory, um, has done it for years and done such a great job. Um, he is also somebody who invests in high school students, so immediately I love this guy, right? Um, well, unfortunately, a few days ago, he's playing pickup basketball with a bunch of high school students, and here's a loud pop in his knee, right? Everybody, everybody who's blown an ACL goes, right? So here's, here's the problem. He works at a factory by lifting heavy things. He needs that knee, and since it did not happen in the factory, the factory says, we can't wait for you to come back when you're 100%. But until then, you don't have a job. ACLs, three months, six months, nine months, depending on how many you've, <laughs> how many you've blown, um, right? And so it would be easy for us, this passive belief would be like, I know God's in control, buddy. Good luck. I'm going to pray for that knee. What a slap in the face to a Christian. What a slap in the face for somebody who says, you know what, I believe that Jesus is real and that my life needs to be changed. You'll never guess what our small group is doing. Every single thing we can because that man deserves it. He's not perfect, but he loves hard. And he loves Jesus, and we're going to show him. And we're going to give sacrificially. We're going to do garage sales. We're going to create hot dishes instead of casseroles, which is weird, but that's cool, whatever. Different vernacular up in the great north, or south Canada, as I call it. Um, <laughs> it is our responsibility as a believer of Christ, as a small group, and as a church to rally around that family. To just say, I hope your knee feels better, and oh, by the way, I know you're not employed for a while. Good luck with that. Is a slap in the face. And that builds hypocrisy. 
the world looks at us, you and I, and says, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. If you believe in a loving God, if you believe in a God that's sacrificial, if you believe in a God that literally moved heaven and earth to come save you, but you've got a dude right over there and you're really not doing anything. You're not activating your faith. You're just living in a belief system. And again, James is pushing our buttons and saying your belief is not enough. Matthew 25, 42 to 45 says this, for I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. They will also answer, Lord, they say this to Jesus, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger in need of clothing or sick or in prison and didn't help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did, did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. The people looked at Jesus and they're like, oh, no, 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 you're important. Like, you're a big deal. Like, if you were hungry, I'm gonna go make you some food. If you're in prison, which, I mean, come on, Jesus, that would ruin your witness. You probably shouldn't do that, hanging out with, you know, criminals. But we didn't see you do that. And Jesus is like, ah, yes, but you didn't activate your faith. You believed that there was a God, but you didn't do anything about this. And when you love the least of us, when you love the marginalized, when you love the people that culture throws away, you actively love me. Ooh, that hurts. Jesus lists out a few things that should engage our faith into action. Love the orphans, widows, neighbors, people that we might see as unworthy of his love. Double-minded faith is just an an intellectual argument. I'm just arguing with myself. There's a God. Don't care. Not going to do anything about it. There's a God. I'll show up Sunday morning. I'll be in a tender. I'm not really going to live my life and have changed life. I'm just going to have a belief system. Worse than surface faith, not saving, so this belief system that doesn't faith, uh, doesn't save, is that surface faith spreads dead faith. And I think the American church is struggling with that today, right now. And I'm not pointing at Sherwood Oaks, I'm not pointing at Minnesota, I'm not pointing at Arizona, I'm not pointing um, at New Mexico. I'm pointing at the American church has done a phenomenal job of trying to create attenders of churches not disciples of Jesus. I, for a very long time, was super focused in getting people in the front door. And victory was numbers. Ooh, careful. Careful, 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 John. That's not a good idea. We celebrate disciples. We celebrate people who make decisions for Jesus Christ. We don't necessarily celebrate how big your church is. That's a pride issue, not a Jesus issue. I think the American churches are really struggling with that. We've done a great job creating attendees, more than we've created disciples. And that is destructive faith. Now, the surface faith or this belief system is the problem. What is the solution? What's the thing that we could look at that James would say, hey, that's, that's a wise decision. You need to lean into that. And that's saving faith. There's a faith that comes with fruit, something that comes with deeds. There's life change, something that is changed in you that makes you say other people are more important because God saved me and I have the opportunity to work for God to bring him glory through Jesus Christ. Again, work's not salvation, other way around. James uh, 2, 18 through 19, but someone will say, you have faith. Oh, don't worry about it. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. 
Even the demons believe that and shudder. Oh, okay, so we've got some good theology in hell. Good to know. Right? There are demons in hell saying, I know who Jesus is. Matter of fact, we see Jesus interacting with Jesus. We see demons interacting with Jesus in the New Testament. Every time Jesus walks into a room or walks into a situation, demons automatically say, oh, I know who you are. Please don't send me back to hell. Send me into those pigs. <laughs> or like, oh, no, 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 I'll get out of the little girl. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. And Jesus is like, all right, get out. Shoo, shoo. They all know. They all have a belief system. Demons in hell have phenomenal theology. They know that Jesus is real. The difference between their belief system and their faith system is action. Oh my goodness, this should scare us. This should make us stop and just for a second say, am I on the same level of belief as the demons in hell? Or has my faith grown to a point where I am now bearing fruit because Jesus has changed my life. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. My second daughter was just baptized this morning. And Stacey and I are crying like small little children and we're having such a wonderful moment. And, and I need to remind you guys, the water is just water. There's some chlorine in it, and there's some germs now in it, because we all were in there, right? Right? Okay? This did not save my sweet little daughter. Those magical words that maybe we sprinkled over her. Oh, if you say the right words, maybe you're going to have a, a relationship with Jesus. The words mean nothing. The words mean nothing. In different cultures, they say different things. In different churches, they say different things. So why did my daughter get baptized? Water does not save, the act does not save, the belief that Jesus is her savior drives her to act on that faith. The eight-year-old in that tub said, my belief system tells me I need to act out what Jesus told me to do. And if Jesus told me to love my enemy, oh, that's hard, but I need to do it because my belief system changes my life. If Jesus tells me I need to get dunked in water, which again, culturally, a little weird to have a bathtub in a church, right? Right? If Jesus says, go get dunked, my little eight-year-old says, you know what? I believe he is real and he's calling me into action. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what James is calling us to do right here. James 2, 20 through 24 starts giving some Old Testament, um, some illustrations of this. You foolish person, careful with the word foolish. I mean, that's, that's a curse word in scripture. You gotta be real careful. So you can tell he's being irritated at this point. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac to on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith, or we would say belief, alone. Abraham was a great man of faith, both to the, the Jews back then, to the Jews today, and even Christians. You can't go through a VBS or VBX without talking about Abraham, right? So he starts his argument like this. Listen, you know that guy that everybody loves? Everybody loves Abraham. Everybody's like, oh, I'm the great, 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 grandson of Abraham, and he, he's an Israelite just like me. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we love him, we love him. He's like, okay, now, 
did his belief in God change his life? And they're all like, well, yes. His belief in God changed his location. God said, Abram, I, I need you to move. I need you to go to a foreign land. And Abram didn't just say, okay, and not do anything about it. He moved. And then something crazy happened. God asked him to sacrifice his son, a son that was promised decades ago. Decades and decades before this happened. Walks up a mountain, holds the knife. I can't imagine as a father looking in his son's eyes. And God says, okay, all right, hold on. And I don't love this story. But it does kind of give the precursor to Jesus Christ being put on a cross for us. But God says, all right, I I needed to see if you believed me or if you were willing to do what I need you to do as the father of a nation that I want to lead. And So everybody's like, yeah, faithful man. It wasn't just belief. Belief and actions together. Belief and actions together, right? Abraham was a friend of God, not because he believed God was real, but for living a life that proved his faith was in God. So James goes to his second conversation. He's like, okay, Abraham, everybody loves, it's like Billy Graham, like, or a senator, like, everybody's going to go out of their way for this guy because he's so cool. But James 2, 25 and 26 says this, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off to different direction. As the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He flips the scripts. He went from this dude that everybody knew and loved To a woman who is second-class citizen at that time, a foreigner, an enemy of God that literally the Israelites were uh, knocking on those doors and about ready to destroy that nation and take over that land, and a prostitute, which even today is not what we would call a highly respectable trait. I'm just saying, right? So he starts with this great man of God and he says, even, even a second-class citizen like a woman, even, even a foreigner, even an enemy of God, even a prostitute said, I believe that the God of the Israelites are so important, I should probably do something about it. And James says, okay, now that I've given you this and this, do you not see that belief is not enough? Faith produces actions. Belief is passive. We are not saved by works, but saved people doing God's work. Let me say it again. We are not saved by what our hands do. We are not saved by our attitude. We are saved by a loving God that is so willing to chase us from heaven that he'll love us no matter where you've been, what situations you find yourself in even today. But then there's some expectation of life change. He will chase you down with love and grace. And then we are expected to love other people that way as well. Saving faith results in good works that bring glory to Jesus Christ. We started with a reputation this morning. We started with this idea, guys, that the American church doesn't have a great rep when it comes to hypocrisy. Well, to be honest, scripture calls us to forgive, but hate is in no short supply these days. And evangelical Christians, boy, I tell you what, it's hard to tell anybody I'm an evangelical Christian right now. 
and I'm white and I'm male. So I'm just not winning, right? In our culture right now, doing, not doing a great job. A lot of, too many people doing a lot of ridiculous things. Scripture calls us to forgive, but there's a lot of hate going around. God calls us to live a generous life, but the average church attender gives less than 2% of their time, talent, and treasure. Jesus models love to those that live on the edge of culture. Are you and I actually rubbing shoulders with people that we would consider, quote unquote, unworthy? There's a reputation that we've earned. What do we do about that? We look at this faith, or this, this faith in deeds, or faith in works, or belief. Listen, it, it all comes down to understanding God is great, Having a changed life is exactly what we're called to be a part of. Saving faith changes the way we behave. And I'm not talking about the morality police. It's how we love. It all comes down to how we love people. How do you love your neighbor because you're a Christian? How do you love your spouse now that your saving faith in Jesus Christ has turned you into something else? How do you love your kids? How do you love uh, the guy across the street with a pro or anti-pro Trump? I don't care. How do you love that person? When it all comes down to it, church, our reputation is only going to be changed based on our actions through the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Period. Doesn't matter how many times we'll pray. Doesn't matter how many times we'll send you good thoughts or well wishes on Facebook. It's what we do with our lives when it comes to love. Our mindset needs to change from a belief system to a faith system. How might your belief in Jesus cause you to act in love this week? My challenge for you, Sherwood Oaks, my challenge for the Muffler family this week is how are we loving the way Jesus loved us so that we can bring glory and honor through the good fruit that comes out of this place. I want Bloomington, I want IU, I want Southern Central Indiana to be like, oh, that Sherwood, they're weird. They just keep loving people. Like they go out of their way. It's sacrificial, it's kind of stupid, but they love people to the point that man, people are looking at Jesus and saying, oh, I, there might be something to that. He might be real. Is it time to forgive that enemy of yours? Is it time for you to call your ex and apologize? Is it time for you to give up the hate in your heart that somebody damaged and hurt you this week? Is it time to give that up? To go from a belief that Jesus is real to actually living that out in our lives. Guys, I'm proud of you. Zero kids in Monroe County, zero are waiting for CASA. Zero. This church said, you know what? We want to do something tangible in this world and we want to help the foster care system. By that statistic alone, I am proud to call this place my home. If nothing else happened, that is tangible action of your faith to say, you know what, there's a system of broken kids and broken parents and broken workers and you guys stepped up and said, you know what, I, I can do that. I'm gonna do that. And you're actively loving people. That's my challenge for you. What can you do to change your faith system from a belief system? What we believe needs to come out in what we do. James standing on a hill looking at us and saying, guys, you can't, you, you can't, you can't, just, you can't just believe. You've you got to have life change. I can't wait to hear the life change stories that are come on, coming out of this place, even from Canada South.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory and honor. You are the big deal, and we are so excited. We have the opportunity to serve you. And great fruit and great works and great deeds, whatever we want to call it, is an outpouring. It's worship. It's just a reaction of how great your son is. Father, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for Sherwood Oaks, who has been a home for so many people, have raised families and taken care of the neighbors. Father, we thank you for their influence with the mufflers. God, this is a congregation that is on fire for you. And I would beg that you would stir the hearts of men and women, kids, high school, whatever it is, everything in between, that they would chase down and the action of faith that they would love somebody so well this week that somebody would say, well, that's ridiculous and I got to start paying attention. Father, you are good and we are honored to have the opportunity to bless your holy name. In Jesus, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.